Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Renee, joined once again by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. Back in Los Angeles in a new house. Ah, uh, yes, all of those things. You made me move my paper towels out of the shot. <laughs> I was like, it's all about the set dressing. Don't worry, we'll get you something cool to put on the walls behind you. We'll dress it up a little bit. Cool. And joining me in studio, we have a very special guest, Miss Joey Noel. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for coming by. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. We have the privilege of working together at Kind of Funny, and I'm so glad that there's another girl in that stinky boy's office. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> Definitely need some estrogen in there. Yes, I absolutely. I can't hold it down by myself. So she made the trek down out of the city to come and do the What's Good Game show with us, so we're super glad that you are here. Britt is on vacation. I know, you guys. She was just on vacation. <laughs> Trust me, I gave her a hard time for it. <laughs> but it's... um. Her and her husband make an annual trek to see the Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios Orlando. So I don't that's know what's crazy. Yeah. Which is like way farther than the one in California. I'm just exactly. That's what I told her. I was like, why don't you just fly to the one in LA and then we can all go together? And Ooh. she was like, but the one in Florida's better. And I was like, well, I guess I haven't been to the one in Florida to, to judge them side by side. But um, yeah, so she is she is out, and Alexa Ray is off this week, but uh, we are holding it down, and there's been some interesting news that's been happening, but before we get to that, I've got some exciting news for what's good. <gasps> Steimer. Yeah. We launched our merch store. Oh, we sure did. We got shirts and mugs and uh, shirts and mugs and <laughs> <laughs> hoodies, kids' tees, long sleeve tees, because, you know, winter is coming. Um, and we have a really cool holiday tea that's going to be Ooh. launching in the next couple of weeks. So if you have not yet had the opportunity to check out our awesome merch store, please head on over to Teespring. Those are the folks that we have partnered with. So that's T T E E spring S P R I N G dot com slash stores with an S slash what's good games. Sorry for the long URL, but if you want to just click on something, uh, you can go over to our Twitter account, and we've got the link there. We've got it on whatsgoodgames.com and, of course, on our Facebook page. Of, or you can just tweet to one of us, and we'll send you there, no problem, if you forget. But um, please do check it out. I know a lot of people have been asking. We've got some yeah. really cute ladies' tees and men's tees, and we've got a bunch of awesome designs there. And so if there's something missing that you guys want to see, let us know. We have heard from people about our custom embroidered hats, our snapbacks that we had at PAX. Mm west and our pins so those were done through a different vendor so we are going to figure out how we can put those up for sale so please hold tight if you have a specific order for one of those you can always reach out to us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com so um that's enough for the plugs for right now steimer Mm -hmm. what was your favorite news story this week was it the first one or was it one of the other ones my i think my favorite news story is the the last one (laughs) Which just came out today. And it's not really a favorite, but I just chuckled when I saw it. Uh, Connect is officially donezo. 
Oh, that was not what I thought you were going to say. I missed the addition of that one. (laughs) What did you think I was going to say? She thought you were going to talk about Animal Crossing, which we will talk about in a second. But um, yeah, so this is, I guess, not surprising, right? A little bit of writing on the wall. Joey, did you have a connect or did you play with your connect? I did not have a connect. I like only got an Xbox within like the last year and then never. I didn't ever did like I never knew any of my friends that had Xboxes. None of them used it. So it wasn't even like a thought process of like, oh, should I get one? Like, no, I used to use it at one point in my life. And we would do the really dorky uh, Breadvig and Clayman, and I would kind of make fun of it. But um, we would just be like, Xbox on, <laughs> like just a <laughs> really dumb voice. And it was I actually on. really liked the voice commands. Yeah. I thought that they worked very well, particularly for search. I mean, I hated saying like Bing. Mm-hmm. Um, now but- you would say Cortana. It's true. So, but I, it was a great way to find things. So, for, for example, if you wanted to watch like an X Men movie, you could say yeah. Xbox Bing X Men, and then it would pull up all the different things that are X Men related, whether it be a game or a movie. And then if you picked a movie, it could show you all the platforms you could watch it on. I mean, it was, I really enjoyed it. And I also used it for some of the Xbox fitness stuff. Did you guys ever see the Xbox fitness app? I saw it. I feel like I saw a little like, bits and pieces like in YouTube videos and stuff, but I don't think I ever saw anybody using it in real life. I did not. I did not see you use it in real life, Andrea, but I did see the app and I knew of the app. (laughs) Well, I used it when it first came out when I really used it when the Xbox one launched, which was they had a free subscription period for the Xbox fitness stuff um, during the launch period. But then when the free part ended, I was kind of like, well, I already pay for beach body on demand. I don't really need to pay for more than one thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I also really liked it for specific games. I kind of felt like the games that were like all connect based didn't really feel super polished, but some that had integration. So in this week's weekly Q and a video, which you guys can find on our Facebook page or on YouTube, we talk about um, management sims or construction sim games. And I had mentioned Zoo Tycoon. Oh, yeah. And that was a game that had connect functionality that I thought was really well done where there was like a little mini game where you could like play with use your hands and your face to like in the connect to play with like a chimpanzee. And then That's fun. you could use your hands to like water an elephant and like little cute things like that that I thought were super fun and approachable for people of all ages and people who may not necessarily be the quote hardcore gamer. <laughs> I liked Connectimals a lot. Yeah. That was pretty good too. It was adorable. That was pretty much the only Connect game that I liked though. And it was mostly just because I was petting cute things. I don't blame you. Yeah. Sounds like a game that's right up my alley. Connectimals. <laughs> yeah. I think by Connect right now, it's like in a box somewhere. But, um, let me just read the the blur briefly from from GameSpot. So they said Microsoft's Kinect sensor, which sold millions across its Xbox 360 and One iterations, was often criticized, but is now officially dead. Ahead of its next earnings report later this week, the company has revealed that it has put an end to the manufacturing of the device, meaning those still sitting on store shelves will be the last ones available for purchase. The news was shared by Kinect creator Alex Kipman and Xbox Devices marketing GM Matthew Lapson in an interview with Fast Company. Support for the device will continue, so there's no need, at least in the short term, to worry if you're still someone who enjoys playing the odd game that uses it or pausing Netflix with a voice command, which was actually very helpful. 
Xbox Stop. Yeah, the Xbox originally, voice commands awesome. <laughs> Originally launched partway through the Xbox 360's life cycle, the Kinect sold millions and opened the platform to new types of games like Dance Central. Microsoft then decided to make it a mandatory part of the Xbox One package, driving up the price of the system at launch to $500. It would later be made optional, allowing Microsoft to bring the price down and appeal to those with no interest in voice controls or motion sensors, though seemingly too late for the system to catch up to Sony's competing PS4 in terms of sales. So we already knew that Kinect was pretty much like, you know, in the dirt, right? It was right. done when they pulled it out of the Xbox One package and were like, we no longer need this. I just, it's such a sad thing to see how big of a marketing part the, of the Xbox One launch Connect was and now how they've completely abandoned it but I Do you guess remember Milo? Probably... Yeah. yeah oh my gosh <laughs> uh, so ridiculous um, but I guess it's probably better for them to fail fast well I guess that wasn't fast. fast it's a couple of years but at least it <laughs> yeah. didn't hang on forever um, and then just leave it behind then to hold on to it but it's kind of interesting to me with the craze around everybody spending money on virtual reality yeah. that they didn't figure out a way to keep the camera part of it somehow and maybe drop the price down. Right. Because I was just when I'm like, PlayStation still makes the PlayStation Eye, right? And like yeah. they mm-hmm. you use it for VR stuff. So I'm kind of like, why? So the Kinect just being done seems a little weird to me. Because what, like, what about games that release in the future? I don't know. I guess nothing's going to want a camera anymore. Well, a lot of people are using the PlayStation Eye for Twitch streaming, and mm-hmm. that's why people might use the Connect is for Skype calls. I've made more than one Skype call using my Connect and my TV, uh, especially around the holidays. It's really nice to use your television so multiple people can kind of get in the call together at the same time, and you need, like, a bigger camera for that. Um and also, obviously, for integrated Twitch streaming, and now Xbox has Mixer, it would make sense to me that they would want to keep Connect around to have people who want to make content, you know, right there from the platform and not have to use, like, a PC and an external piece of software um, that they would want to use that Connect. So, yeah, that is super interesting. I guess I didn't think about that of, like, they have been pushing Mixer a lot. <clears throat> and for the people that aren't able to afford, like, a whole setup to be able to do native console streaming, you would think you would just have an Xbox branded piece of hardware that you could make it an easy transition to do. But yeah, exactly. Or maybe they're killing off the connect and the Phoenix that will rise from its ashes is coming up later. And it will be something more like PlayStation. (laughs) I, where it's a little bit less involved and therefore less expensive. Maybe only time will, it'll be called the mixer. I (laughs) y'all seeing mixer. I, they definitely need to drop the price. That's that's for sure. Um, all right, moving on. Why Wolfenstein doesn't have multiplayer? So I don't really think this is that big of a story, but IGN apparently felt like they needed to write about it. And um, so Machine Games, who made the original Wolfenstein, also made Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. And they had a story, an interview with IGN this week. Oh, uh, technically, sorry, they had an interview with GamesIndustry.biz um, <laughs> where um, Tommy Tortsen-Bjork from Machine Games talked about the team's single-player focus when developing the sequel. He said, the only way we can create super immersive narrative experiences is if we can solely focus on the single player. Having a multiplayer component in this would pr- 
in this work process would just dilute it all. That's the danger if you try to do two things at once. So the reason why this quote probably surfaced was because of the visceral news from last week where the idea was that people are killing off single-player experiences in favor of multiplayer ones and how Machine Games has really stood up to say, well, we intentionally didn't do multiplayer because we wanted to do a narrative-based single-player experience. And obviously they're doing it very well. I'm going to talk about my playtime with Wolfenstein in the next segment of the show. But, um, ladies, what did you think of this? Was this shocking to you? Do you think this is the right call? Do you think that they should have included multiplayer? I'm not a huge multiplayer person. Like, that's not usually the type of games and, like, what I choose to spend my time with. But I didn't think it was a big deal because it's not something that directly affects me. Um, Have they... So I don't have, like, a huge history with Wolfenstein. Have they historically ever had multiplayer stuff? Actually, not that I recall. I don't think so. So I didn't know if this was like a shocking move that they weren't including. No, the reason I I wanted to like talk about this was exactly for the reason that Andrea stated, um, just because jumping off of the visceral boat or whatever, where everyone's talking about now we need stuff that you can throw loot boxes in or some sort of microtransactions to have a developer come out and say, we just want to make a single player experience. And this is a game that would naturally fit multiplayer. Um, in the sense that it's a first-person shooter and those tend to do well. Now, I do think it's Mm -hmm. smart that they didn't because I think, especially this fall, the lineup's pretty crowded and I'm not sure that the... I just think you can't split that many player bases, right? Like, you've got Battlefront, you've got... um, Call of Duty is going to come out again. Like, (laughs) it'll come around again. (laughs) I like, there's just so many single player, not single player, there's so many like multiplayer shooters that you have to be really good in order to uh, get a good install base there. And I think it was smart of them to just be like, you know what, we're going to make a really awesome single player. And Wolfenstein fans from a bajillion years ago, aka me, um, (laughs) will still buy and play this game. So there was uh, a Wolfenstein enemy territory, which I forgot about, which was kind of a standalone. It was originally planned as an expansion pack for a return to Castle Wolfenstein, um, but it's just uh, a, a multiplayer mode. But generally, most of the Wolfenstein franchise has been single-player FPS. Just curious. But yeah. So yeah, I think Machine Games is doing an excellent job with that franchise. And I think that they did the right thing. And I'm very happy that they were working with a a publisher like Bethesda who backed them up and didn't force them to shoehorn in uh, a piece of content that didn't felt right for their vision and didn't felt right for the formula that they were working with. And I wish more developers would or excuse me, I wish more publishers would do that. So Um, so yeah, so that was a little interesting tidbit. Uh, The next story this one, I kind of got into a debate with the people in the comments about on the the episode of Games Daily that we talked about. So GameCube, controller support in a new Switch update. So according to IGN, there's been an unexpected, unmentioned addition to the Nintendo Switch with its 4.0 update. GameCube controllers, when using the Wii U's USB adapters, now work with the system. All Switch games appear to be compatible with the controllers, although there is a caveat. You won't be able to use any ZL commands or the home button. Naturally, the additions led to the speculation that we'll see the long-rumored release of the GameCube virtual console titles or a new version of the famously GameCube pad-friendly Smash Bros. So this is interesting because the Nintendo community has been clamoring for a Smash Brothers announcement 
since the Switch has launched. Uh, a lot of people came up to me and said that they thought that they were going to get one at the Nintendo World Championships. Um, sadly, mm-hmm. no new game announcements <laughs> <laughs> at the at the show, but they did reveal a couple, you know, new scenes from Super Mario Odyssey, which is out today, which is exciting. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but uh, I admitted that I am not a Smash player. I don't play Smash. Do you ladies play Smash? No. No. Nope. I always Never fall off I got the world. Into. See, I knew it wasn't just me. <laughs> there are lots of us out there. If you're out there listening or watching and you don't play Smash, it's okay. Don't let anyone shame you because you don't play Smash. But if you do play Smash, that's okay too. You're allowed to like Smash. I just... My big thing about this news was like, I was like, all right, cool. Why would you want to play with the gamepad when there's the pro controller? Mm, that's true. People because people are, are very like, attached to controllers. Exactly. <laughs> and like, like their, like, have uh, memories attached to them and like the way that they feel. And if you, if that's how you learn to play Smash, I feel like you're, that's always where you're going to feel most comfortable if that's where you put in those hours or whatever. That makes sense. Just like anybody else with a fight stick in their respective fighting game, if they have a, a strategy down with a specific layout of buttons and sticks, like, that's fine. But would you really, like, is it really necessary to have it be supported across all games? Like, it's, no, I mean, I guess. I don't think they necessarily, I think people just want, no, number one, give me my virtual console. Number two. Yes. Sure, give them a Smash Brothers. I don't really care, but I know people like it. Uh, I just liked that Nintendo secret squirreled this into the update. They're like, <laughs> here you go. Um, it's. I don't think we're going to see... I don't think this is an indication that Virtual Console is on the way. I think it's an indication that maybe GameCube Classic Edition is on the way. Oh, <laughs> <true>. no! <laughs> <laughs> Enough with the mini things. I mean, they're really adorable, but... They're so cute. But knock that shit off and give us the virtual console. Pretty much. All right, so let's move on from the GameCube controller, now that you all know you can play it on your Switch, to our next story. No GTA V story expansion. So I think we kind of all saw the writing on the wall for this one. But according to GameSpot, Rockstar Design Director Imran Sawar has explained that it was not really a conscious decision to not release a single-player expansion for Grand Theft Auto V. Instead, it just happened to work out that way, which apparently he told Game Informer. Sawar added that Rockstar would love to make single-player DLC for its other games in the future. Quote, as a company, we love single player more than anything and believe in it absolutely. For storytelling and a sense of immersion in the world, multiplayer games don't rival single player games. With GTA V, the single player game was absolutely massive and very, very complete, Sarwar said. So he went on to say that bandwidth issues are a constant concern for Rockstar because we are perfectionists, which is obvious, which is why they make so much money. (laughs) He added... Quote, to make huge, complex games takes a lot of time and resources. Not everything is always possible, but we still love single-player open-world games more than anything. I don't think you could make a game like GTA V if you did not like single-player games and trying to expand their possibilities. So, like, I appreciate that he said this statement. But we all know they didn't make any expansions for single-player because they are raking (laughs) in the money with GTA Online. Like, literally making money hand over fist. Over $500 million just in GTA Online. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's bananas. 
But they, of course, are also working on Red Dead Redemption, which is another massive single-player experience. But um, Red Dead Redemption 2, excuse me. (laughs) Um, Did you guys miss having a single-player expansion? Steimer, I know you spent a lot of time in GTA, didn't you? Yeah, so I played all of GTA 5. It was the first Grand Theft Auto I finished. And uh, because normally I would just like dick around in the sandbox and that would be it. Um, And I was, I don't know, I have mixed feelings. Part of me was like, oh, it would have been nice to like have some extra content. And the other part of me is, agrees with him that the story was so complete that it wouldn't really need it. Like, I'm not sure what story really needed to be told anymore. Like, I was pretty satisfied with the ending that I got or that I chose and, um, I was really satisfied with the way all the characters ended up. So, uh, I don't know. Part of me wants it just because I like single player stuff and I like Rockstar stuff, but it probably wasn't necessary. Yeah, Joey, did you play GTA Five? I didn't, but I just got it, so I'm part of the reason that it keeps popping up on the top ten. It was. It, it's literally still in NPD top ten. It has never left since Which it launched. Is so crazy. <laughs> That's amazing. But I feel like I got into it now because I hear so much about GTA Online that like that's the reason that i am gonna get it i want to test it out and see what it's like but i didn't really go into it with the idea of like oh i'm gonna play like the single player stuff like i've only like i know everyone talks about gta 5 but like that was not the draw for me so it's interesting now that i feel like it's kind of shifted where there's so much focus on their online now well, there's certainly a lot of expansive offerings in the GTA Online ecosphere. So it's, it's you know, obviously it's not surprising that Rockstar chose to use their internal resources to continue to feed that ecosystem since there are so many active players, millions of active players around the world. But um, I guess it's kind of sad for folks who don't play in GTA Online and we're hoping because I think the GTA franchise is known for its pretty you know, amazing single player expansions that are really meaty pieces of content really going, I think, above and beyond your traditional DLC that you see these days. So that's kind of a bummer, especially since I think a lot of people really loved those three characters and would, you know, want to see more from them. But I guess the good news is, is that we've got Red Dead Redemption 2 on the horizon. Yeah. Sometime next year, hopefully sooner than later. I still think it's going to be pushed until holiday next year. That's probably prediction. Well, mm. The last Red Dead, though, did release in May. It's true. So That's true. That's Could fact. happen. It could happen. <laughs> I wouldn't even be sad if they pushed it to holiday next year because I feel like there's so many things that like I'm still trying to catch up on that. Oh, I yeah. I could use some extra time. I'm way behind. <laughs> 2017 has been an embarrassment of riches for, for video games. There's just been so many fantastic games out this year. I need more time to catch up for sure. Agreed. I'm... All right, speaking of popular games that continue to get big and continue to have people talk about them, PUBG, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, is getting a physical release for Xbox One. I'm pretty sure I predicted this. Yes, um, I think you did. At E3 2017, Microsoft announced that PUBG would be getting a console launch exclusive on the Xbox One and would be really and would be releasing in late 2017. Now, while we still don't know that exact date, I mean, they're running out of time. Come on, Blue Hole. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a release date already. They did reveal that you'll be able to buy a physical version of the game. So this makes 100% sense. We talked about this in relationship to games like Rocket League that released a physical retail disc after their very successful digital launch. Um 
there's a slew of other games that released on digital first and went on to release a disc later because the best way to get into the hands of more gamers is to get in front of eyeballs and not everybody's going to troll through the digital marketplaces to look for games. And if they can get this box out in time for holiday, it could be a really big win for Xbox. Except um, here's my one thing. And it's been to your point that you've said the entire time about PUBG. The game's not done. So like, yes, that's true. What are you putting in the box? Like you're putting in a, you're putting uh what do they call it? Is it an alpha or a beta? They're calling it beta. They're calling it early access. Early access. So mm. essentially a beta. Uh, so technically game preview on Xbox One. Right. A beta. But <laughs> I would say to you, Fort Fortnite also an early access game had a physical disc. True. For PlayStation 4 and, mm. X- and for Xbox One. And that is also an early access game. So you're essentially paying for the privilege of being the first people to play PUBG on console. And whether you do that by unlocking a code via the Xbox Live Marketplace or whether you do it by ha- getting a code inside. That's the weird part to me is that I remember they did this with Paragon. Epic did this with Paragon in the PlayStation 4. And I have like three Paragon discs laying around my house because I just got them for the digital code that was inside. Hmm. The disc is virtually useless because you have to download the Everything game anyway. anyway yeah well destiny unlocking 2, the game did yeah. you see that with destiny 2 on pc how they literally just put a piece of paper they didn't even put a disc they just put inside paper. the box yeah inside the box so like um it's just a white like flimsy ass piece of paper in the disc slot because you're so you just you just have like an empty box for your shelf that's so weird it's kind of funny but also really ridiculous like what a slap on the face to people who wanted a a disc yep to put on their shelf yeah that's that's basically what they're telling you they're wasting the trees to print the cardboard it's not it was like the metal tin the collector metal tin cases the steel book yeah the steel books i feel like it would Would you like an empty steel book more sense for like the standard (laughs) copy but then you would think if you're shelling out enough money to buy a collector's edition that you would want some sort of disc. I, don't I didn't know. hear about that. That's yeah, interesting. It's pretty funny. Also, another game I want to check out. And I'm sorry, What's Good Guardians, who are listening out there. I haven't forgot about you. We love all of our WGG clan members. I just, we have so many games to try to run through for our game of the year considerations and game award nominations. And I will be back. I will be back in force soon. Just got to give me a couple of weeks. <laughs> I probably won't be, but I've got, I've, I literally made a to-do list and I have it on my coffee table and it looks at me every time I sit down at my couch and it's just like, here's all of the games you need to play. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> there's too it's many. Long. There's too many. I don't know. I'm going to have to like Zach Morris this shit time out because that's the only way I'm going to get any of it done. If only, right? No, if only that thing. was an actual thing. Um, so we'll keep you guys posted on when we hear more about what that physical release is and when it's coming. And our final news story for the day, Animal Crossing is coming to mobile. So this was announced via Nintendo Direct. It's called Pocket Camp. And according to Polygon, in it, players will be able to manage their own campsite. You can personalize and build up both their character and their campsite, which they can decorate with a variety of buildings and furniture. Furniture can be crafted through collectibles. The system works by visiting nearby recreation sites, doing favors for the animal inhabitants, and collecting rewards. 
After that, head on over to the alpaca blacksmith Cyrus with your new crafting materials to create furniture. Now, although you can seek out materials on your own by visiting beaches and islands, the free-to-play game also has microtransactions. Everyone's Not favorite thing. at all. <laughs> These leaf tickets can be traded for materials or to speed up time, the time it takes to build an amenity, and players can either earn them in-game or buy them with real money from the shop. A multiplayer features lets players exchange ID numbers to visit, visit each other's campsites. They can make friends or even offer up some kudos if the campsite is especially inspiring. Now, this was first announced in spring 2016, and Nintendo originally planned to release the Animal Crossing game for smartphones sometime before the year was up. Of course, we saw the release of Super Mario Run earlier. Now... That, of course, caused the company to move the rest of the schedule around. No surprising. You want to give Mario some time to Mario breathe. needs his space. So, yes. And uh, Fire Emblem Heroes obviously is arrived earlier this year. Our girl, Alexa Ray, way deep down that <laughs> rabbit hole of Fire <laughs> Bando Emblem Simulators. If you guys missed the amazing, like, horny casino discussion that we had about Fire Emblem Heroes, I highly encourage you to go back to our previous episode and find it. Uh, But before we're done with this, I'll try in the next segment to pull up that episode number for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So this game is coming. I don't play Animal Crossing. Don't be mad. It's okay. Do either of you ladies play Animal Crossing? I haven't, but I've had it recommended to me. This, the Switch is the first Nintendo console I've had since the N64. Wow. So I'm you, way behind. You entirely skipped Wii? All my friends had them. So I would, we would just play like all the party games together. But I never felt okay. the need to invest in that one. That makes sense. You um, never had a 3DS either? No. <gasps> Joe. I know. I took a really long break from gaming in general. So I feel like I'm catching up on a lot of things. Yes. But you just got to stop playing Stardew Valley for a little while. It's no, okay. Keep you playing can do it. it. But do I have play to? Play forever. Yeah, there's more to play. I know. I've been playing other things. Okay. I've been diversifying yes, my interests Yes, we're going to talk about it in the next segment. But. Um, but everyone has been like, oh, if you like Stardew Valley, you're probably going to like Animal Crossing. So I watched the direct last night and I was like, ooh, I can get into this. Not as like a substitute necessarily, but of like, yeah. oh, if I don't have my Switch, if I'm here and I would just need something to fill time. You need your fix. Stuff. Your yeah, fix exactly. of doing stuff. <laughs> That farming thing. Yeah. I think I looked at it and I watched it and I was like reading a bunch of stuff last night. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I've I seen like a it. lot of friends play Animal Crossing. I have not myself played it, but like you, Joey, most people are like, I think you'd really enjoy this game. So I am kind of sitting waiting for a Switch version to one day be announced. Although now yeah. with it coming to mobile, I don't know if if and or when that would come. Uh, so I might give it a shot on mobile just to see what it's all about. Well, you report back. Let me know. Animal Crossing just never appealed to me. Not to say it's a bad game. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. There was just never something about that game that I was like, oh, I can't wait. But I know lots of people were obsessed with this game on 3DS um, and that we have lots of friends of ours in the games business that uh, really, really love the Animal Crossing franchise. So I'm sure Britt and Alexa will have plenty to say about it when they are back on the show. But that's going to do it for our news segment for this week. When we come back on the other side of the break, we are going to be talking about what we have been playing. And oh boy, there's a lot happening right now. So buckle in. We'll be right back.
This episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by TakeThis.org. Most of us spend a lot of time thinking about our bodies. Gain a little weight, lost a little weight, back hurts from sitting at a desk too much, stomach hurts from too much avocado. But how much time do you spend thinking about your brain? There are a lot of simple things that you can do every day to keep your brain in shape. Take breaks from work, get enough sleep, drink more water, put down those screens. Well, you know, as much as you can. Now, it sounds simple, but taking care of your body's needs can actually help your brain, too, because it's all connected. And sometimes your brain needs more help, and that's okay, too. This is just one of the things that we learned from our friends over at TakeThis.org. Take This has been working to bring the mental health care community and the video game community together since 2012. If you or someone you love is feeling not okay and could use a little advice, visit them at takethis.org. And if you have the resources to donate or volunteer, takethis.org is where you can do that too. It's okay to not be okay. Take This. Welcome back, everybody. This is segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. We have special guest Joey Noel with me and Steimer talking about what games we have been playing. So this has been the busiest week for major franchises and AAA publishers that I think we've had in a long time. Because generally, the big publishers try to avoid each other's release windows to make sure that every game gets enough attention. But this week, we've got... Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus from Machine Games and Bethesda. We've got Assassin's Creed Origins from Ubisoft. And, of course, Super Mario Odyssey from Nintendo. The Mario game that I've been waiting for since Super Mario Galaxy 2. So, we just got codes for Assassin's Creed Origin. Ubisoft sent us digital codes for the game. So, we haven't gotten a chance to dip our toes in and really get some hands on time. So we're going to talk about that game next week on the show. But we also have not gotten our Super Mario Odyssey codes as of the taping of the show. We are going to be getting them late in the evening. So we, again, will be talking about Super Mario Odyssey next week. But what I have been playing is Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Tell (gasps) me everything. I (laughs) I want to shoot people. Nazis? You want to kill Nazis? I want to kill all of the Nazis. It's what I did when this I was is growing the game up as a for little you. girl, and I want to do it now that I'm grown. <laughs> so did either of you play the first one? No. The very so original the, Wolfenstein? Oh, you mean, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. the Wolfenstein, the New Order. I did. So the good thing about, about this is even if you missed it, like Joey did, you don't have to go back and play it. I would encourage you to if you have time, which we just discussed that you don't. There's too much <laughs> happening. But if you are the person who's like, I really love Bethesda and shooters and want a single-player uh, first-person shooter experience, then I would recommend you go back and play because it was really great. But they do a nice little recap video at the beginning that you can skip if you are caught up on story, but it, it pretty much runs you through all the major story points. So there is a decision you have to make in wolfenstein the new order about choosing a specific squad mate to go forward in the game without me spoiling what that decision means and what it actually entails i want to say that that decision you will remake at the beginning of this game and it does have an impact 
on gameplay. Damn. There's like a specific weapon that each of those people has. And so if you pick one or the other, you will get their version of this weapon in the Is game. Is one way better than the other? I haven't tried both of them yet. Mm. So I couldn't mm. tell. So um, I will update you once I have tried them both. But just keep in mind that that's a thing that you're going to have to decide at the beginning of the game. So Wolfenstein 2 is set pretty immediately after the events of Wolfenstein The New Order. And you are now taking the resistance against the Nazis to the United States. So in the original game, the idea was you're set in an alternate reality where the Nazis won World War II and they've now spread across the globe and are taking over. And you, of course, as BJ Blazkowicz, are trying to overthrow them and take back the world. And you're semi-successful in your endeavors in that, but obviously there's a lot more to go and there's a lot more Nazis to kill. (laughs) And you've decided to take the resistance to the United States because the plan that your like ragtag team of rebels has come up with is that if we can overthrow the, the Nazis from the United States, then we can organize the United States to help take over and conquer the Nazis throughout the rest of the world, which is a good plan if you can secure all of the weapons of, that the United States has. Because it turns out all of the guns and missiles and shit are in the United States. <laughs> I mean, are we surprised by this? No. Not at all. Okay. Uh, have you seen the news reports lately? Yeah, I know, right? We have lots of guns in America. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is set like in the 1960s. Um, and so you got this really kind of tone of like this hippies, like peace, love and rebellion vibe going on like throughout the threads of uh, the narrative, which is great. Uh, the cutscenes are fantastic. Really cinematic quality cutscenes. The kind of cutscene that you don't hit that skip button mm. on mm. because they're so well written and the interactions between the characters are great. The voice acting is, is fantastic and they just look so pretty. Very well done. So far, the gameplay is pretty brutally hard. And without shame, I have dropped it down to the easiest difficulty. Daddy, don't hurt so, yes, me. Is that the one? Exactly. <laughs> I'm wearing the fucking bonnet and I got the baby binky in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. This game is hard. I died like four times in the tutorial level. What? Dang. Which was like, when I originally played that at a press preview event, I did fine. They must have ratcheted up the difficulty. What did you start <laughs> playing it on? Like normal? The second to the easiest. So there's five difficulty levels. So I played it at so one through five, five being the most difficult, one being the easiest. I played it on two, the second hardest or second easiest difficulty. And I was like, I ain't got time to keep dying. So I dropped it down even more. And it still is really challenging, even on like the super easiest level. So be prepared going in. If you're obviously, you know, you're going to be playing the solo. Give yourself time to be frustrated. Or if you're, like, really, really, really good at FPS, you know, go for it. I usually don't go for the higher difficulty levels until I've played through the entire game at least once. But um, how do you ladies feel about difficulty levels? Shoot, that has me worried because I feel like you play way more first-person shooters than I do. And so, like, I usually pick two or one by default. But if you drop down to one, I'm like, oh, man. This might be one that I spend a lot of time dying in. (laughs) Well, I want to clarify that the reason why I've done this is because I have to get through Wolfenstein as quickly as possible. And that pains me to say because it's a great game and I would like to, you know, get good and be better. 
Um, but I have to run because it's the one like linear experience of the major games coming out this week. It's like, I know I can run through it the quickest. Mm-hmm. So that's why I did that. But, um, but the guns, like the guns feel great again, like super weighty. They, um, because it's, you know, old school guns, they don't have the fancy reticules that a lot of guns have now. There's no like destiny two scopes, which is, makes me super <laughs> sad, but, um, you can dual wield again, which is super awesome. And this time around you have power armor that allows you to be almost superhuman in a certain way. And he's got these three special moves that Alexa Ray and I talked about after a preview event we went to recently. I haven't unlocked those yet, but you can essentially like, uh, power jump your way through floorboards mm. to move in between the levels. And a lot of the same stealth mechanics are back, a.k.a. there is no stealth mechanics. <laughs> I was about to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's the same. Like, you can sneak around a little bit. Like, I've been able to successfully sneak up to a few commandants. So the commandants are the guys that hold the Enigma codes. And if they catch you or if you go in guns blazing, the instant... Like, and I'm talking instantaneously, if a guard, if one guard sees you, it immediately sets off the alarm and they call for reinforcements. So if you can try to sneak your way up to the commandants to take them out first, that's great. You can also shoot down the alarms, which I don't remember if you could do in the first game. But of course, shooting down the alarms means somebody will probably hear your bullets. So something to be aware of, but Mm. it's a nice, it's a nice little touch, but yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Uh, I will probably also need to play on baby ass baby mode <laughs> just so I can get through it, like you said. Yeah, but uh, I've been really enjoying my time with the game. Um, I, I love that they have, like, one of the things that I used to describe the first game was it felt very Pulp Fiction in a mm. way. And I think that that tone is back in this t- in this game. And uh, I'm really excited to meet some of these new kooky, crazy characters and shoot more nazis it's it's crazy how they've really nailed that sense of oppression and that sense of brutality that the nazis really had like even in one of the opening scenes there's like a really graphic violent thing that happens to um one of your crewmates that you're close to and it took me by surprise that they opened with something so um so violent and so brutal but i mean it's they're not fucking around no, it's also <laughs> Wolfenstein. You can you can see where they took some of the movement learnings that um, were in Doom, and really kind of applied that to to this. And I I like that it feels faster than the first game did, and that you feel more powerful. You feel more superhuman as BJ this time around than you did in the first one. And um, I think that that's awesome. I love it. I'm very excited to play this. It's going to be a busy weekend. Yes. Very much so. So, Steimer, mm-hmm. um, you have been playing more South Park? So, I started South Park. Britt played it last week. I started Middle Earth Shadow of War, became overwhelmed by looking at the map, and immediately <laughs> bounced. <laughs> no, really? no, no, no. I'm going to go back, but I was. it was just more of like, what do I want to play right now? What I want to play right now is something that feels familiar that's not as overwhelming, that, like, makes me laugh, makes me smile. I needed a little more of an upper than Shadow of War was going to give me, so I fired up South Park, and it is definitely hitting the spot. I agree with what Britt said last week, though. Like, 
this is very much like Stick of Truth. If you didn't like Stick of Truth, there's really no point in you looking at this game at all. Uh, and if you did like Stick of Truth, be prepared for this to feel very much like Stick of Truth, even though they've like altered the combat slightly. I mean, it's it's kind of the same, but I don't mind that. I like it. It's it's hitting the spot. It's making me feel better about life. So that's well, that's good. good. <laughs> um, well, I guess we'll maybe have more to report on that later or not. I guess it kind of like we've talked about that game and it's like, yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not sure what it's, else it's, to say it's about just it. The same, it's just the same like stick of truth. It's there, like stick of it's truth. Different. It's a little, it's a little different. Exactly. It's pretty. I'm like, it's like this thing, but not, but mostly like this <laughs> thing. So, I mean, take that as you will and you can probably figure out from that statement alone whether or not you want to play it yeah no it sounds like for people who are fans of the franchise if you love south park then you'll love this game and if you're like me and you're like man i watch south park occasionally and i didn't really get into the stick of truth you could probably skip this one absolutely 100 percent. okay that makes sense that's how i feel about it too it's like eh, i've watched south park here and there but i'm not like attached to it so yeah i'm also not list. really attached to south park just for the record, I have not watched South Park in years, but I really, really enjoyed Stick of Truth, and I'm enjoying this game. So, different strokes, different folks. Are you going to finish it, you think? Yes. Okay. Yes, I will. All right. Hopefully. But, Knock but, on every but, piece but of wood But when do you think you're going to go back to Middle Earth Shadow of War? Um, I think once I'm done with... Oh, God, I don't know. Now that you ask me, I'm like, <laughs> once I'm done with this, wait, I'm downloading two other games as we speak. Crap. Um... <sighs> as soon as I can, like I definitely just, I need to go, I think through some of the, I don't want to say easier, but the more easily digestible games first. So I'll probably actually hit up something like Wolfenstein before I go back to shadow of war, just cause shadow of war is one of those games. Like you need, you will lose yourself down that rabbit hole and I can't afford to do that right now. Oh, yeah. I had to force myself to go back to the main story campaigns to continue to move forward because I was like, I'm going to take out every nemesis that I've ever come across and I'm going to collect every Gondorian artifact that I find and I'm going to get all those elvish words to open the fancy doors. And then I was like, wait a minute. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) I need to go back. Go back to the story. Focus, focus, focus. (laughs) The sandbox is very easy to get lost in in that game for sure. Um, Joey, we yes. briefly talked about you playing Stardew Valley. <laughs> yes. Are you playing on your Switch? I am. So that's, I hadn't actually played for like quite some time. And then as soon as they launched on Switch, I was like, oh, okay, this is where I'm going to hop back in. So I've been playing probably have like 30 hours on it. It's <laughs> the perfect game for me right now because I didn't really want to start anything else because I knew that come Friday, I was just going to stop and I was going to be hopping into Mario. I was going to hop into Wolfenstein so I didn't really want to get invested into anything that I was going to not remember, not touch for like a few weeks. Um, so Stardew's like the easy default of like, oh, I can go in and like do a couple days worth of stuff and turn it off. And I've been doing the same thing with Zelda too of like, oh, I can go like hit a couple shrines and then turn it like it's just kind of both of those have been super easy for me to jump into. But I just really love Stardew Valley. <laughs> so explain to me this obsession, this addiction, maybe this maybe. call, this call to the collecting of things. I just I I don't hear this siren. I'm deaf to it. So, yeah. So you and Steimer both have played a lot of this game. Explain Joey, to me like, what is it about it that you really love? 
Joey was the uh. one who number one. I think I think you were one of the people who recommended it to me, and then you were also mm-hmm. like my main tip person. Where I was like, "What do I do, Joey? Help me out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's when it doesn't really tell you like what to do. You just kind of have to figure it out. Um, so I, it's kind of intimidating to start because you're like, for the first like few times that I played, I was like, I don't really get this, and then like all of a sudden it clicks. And like I watched your guys's video about the construction Sims that you guys put out this week and I was like oh Andrea nailed it it's like that repetitive cycle that just pays off and it's like yes this is satisfying and I like this <laughs> so I feel like that's a lot of what gets me with Stardew Valley I like the the way that they time it out of like the day segments feel short enough that you just like oh I can do one more I'll do one more and then it's like hours later and you're like, shoot, what just happened? I don't know how I ended up here. <laughs> yeah. So Andrea, like, um, because I'm sure you don't know that it only saves at night. So you ha- you can't save halfway through a day. Oh, so I that's why you have to keep playing until you get through the cycle because you want to save your game so you can put it down. Mm-hmm. But then the new day has begun and you have to go over there and get the thing. And so you go get it and now you're stuck. Yeah. Yep. Having to play another day to get to the night to save again. Nailed it. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Totally. And I feel like there's enough like things to do of like, you can just focus on farming. You can just focus on relationships. You can focus on being in the mines and being in the dungeons and stuff like that, that it hits all of the right pieces for me that I don't feel like I'm stuck in like the exact same loop. And it's like, no, I don't really, I don't feel like talking to people. I'm just going to go fight the monsters or I don't really want to do that. I'm just going to farm. So yeah, it's not quite as groundhog day as some of the other farming Sims can feel. Yeah. And I feel like, Because I had people like, oh, are you going to get into like farming simulator and stuff? I'm like, I feel like that's like way too detailed and there's a little too much in there. That's like a hyper realistic game though, farming simulator. It's like way different. Yeah, it's like, and you have all these things. I'm like, (laughs) your rabbits don't just randomly drop feet in real life? What are you talking about? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, no, I just like, I dig a hole and I plant it and I water it and that's all I have to do. I don't have to worry about transporting and like all that crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's, I feel like Stardew came out at the perfect time for, to be just like a filler to get me to some of the Did you ever games. play Don't Starve? No. Oh, I, I feel like Starve. they're very similar in that kind of like collecty thing. Mm. No? Do you think that's not a good Don't analogy, Starve is, Samer? is super difficult and like will beat you over the head if you forget to, if you like can't find a carrot to eat, you die. Whereas this, I mean, Stardew Valley is a lot more forgiving. You might be broke as joke, but you yeah. won't. If you don't, if you forget to water your plants one day, they're not all going to yeah, die. Yeah, it's not, it's not doom and gloom. And you can. The stakes aren't high. The yeah, stakes aren't exactly. that high. Yeah, if you die in the mines or pass out is what they call it. You end up paying money, but like, that's pretty much the only penalty. Okay. Don't starve. Don't starve is really fun. But if it, you're ready for like another challenge. Okay. Because yeah. at this point. This is the fourth console I have it on. <laughs> Joey. I haven't played Joey. extensively on all of them. Like my Xbox one, I don't have, I just have like at my parents' house for when I go visit. And then I worked on my PC one because that's going to get multiplayer. So obviously I wanted that one to be really fancy. <laughs> and now I have Switch on the go and I got it first on PlayStation. I know this is sounding like an addiction and you might have a, a really good point about that. Okay, But Joey, <laughs> the first Do step you... is recognizing that you have a problem. Exactly. Do you have the same husbando or waifu in every game, or do you have a different one for each console? 
So fun fact, I've never actually done any of the relationship stuff until <gasps> this round. Because I'm like, no, I just like the, I want to go mine and fight monsters and plant things and all you people. To be honest, all of my interactions with most of the people are like kind of annoying. So I was That's like, fair. I don't really like too many of you. Though I do and in this one, Sebastian. They're not boy. that useful anyway, so it's probably okay. Yeah, there's not like a huge, they don't really do anything when you get they complain a lot there's not there's no like incentive of like i think they like water your crops but if you have sprinklers then do you need that and they're pretty much the only thing that they do that can't be automated is sometimes they will fix your fences but if you have hardwood fences they don't break down very often so he's got one job to do every hundred days and he still bitches all the time about how how overworked he is and i'm like bro what are you even doing i work from 6 a.m until midnight every day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. This time I have Sebastian. That's self-employed life. But. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So if I have time, like on a plane or something, maybe I can check this out uh, since it is portable, even though let's be honest, I'll be playing Super Mario Odyssey from now until the exactly. end of the year, probably. Um. So another game that Steimer and I got the opportunity to play. So we were at Expo in Tulsa a few weeks ago and had the great opportunity to play some really cool indie games. Mm. And one of the games that we got to play, I just, I saw like from across the room and was like, this is so cute. I must find out what this game is. And it's called Battle Cakes. So this game is a turn-based RPG where you play as a cupcake. <laughs> it's That's a amazing. bite-sized RPG, I believe they call it, Andrea. Snack-sized? Uh, uh. Snack-sized. Snack-sized. That's what it says here. Snack-sized RPG made really especially cute. for the turn-based adventure fans of all ages. Players who are hungry for a casual yet satisfying fantasy game <laughs> experience will find a perfect blend of action, humor, and magic that pays tribute to classic RPG titles such as Final Fantasy, Grandia, and Pokemon. So you follow a protagonist named by the player, sole heir to the legacy of King Birthday Cake, chosen to save the mythical kingdom of Pastoria from certain doom at the hands of Lord Fondant, an evil shaped <laughs> shifting wizard. As the story progresses, the single player joins forces with Red Velvet and Midnight Truffle, royal advisors to the king himself. The group embarks on a grand quest to find the king and restore peace once and for all. So that that's the blur so from their website. Um, so Volcano Bean is the three-person team developing this. It's a husband and wife and then uh, their friend. And so they have split up the duties between programming, art, writing, producing, and all of the other hats that they have to wear between the three of them. That's crazy. And what's really cute about it is, like, so you play this little cupcake, and you can customize the color of your cupcake, like the top where the frosting, the frosting. is. You can customize your wrapper color. Um, and all of the little things in the world all tie back to this theme of like sugar and candy. Like you can go and like, you know how you like will shake bushes to find, um, items like jelly beans will like fall out and they're like one of the currencies in the game. Hmm. Uh, what, so red velvet, this character has uh, a bow and arrow and on the end of her arrow, it's like a strawberry instead of an arrowhead. And there's a sugar mancer that has a wizard staff that has a jelly bean like on the inside of it. It's basically and like he looks so super adorable. Emo. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, um. That no. That's um. Uh. 
the that's emo the guy's midnight, midnight truffle. That's oh sorry, that that's what you were talking about for the sugar. Oh man. yeah, he's the sugar mancer. Is he is he the sugar mancer? Oh, yeah. that's my bad. So he's got like this frosting that covers one of his eyes. <laughs> so and he looks like, like so super funny. emo uh, cupcake guy. And it's just got this really cutesy uh, 2D art style that's super bright, lots of pastels. And it's great because it's, you know, fun for all ages and it's turn-based. And they have a system in where you don't just have to defeat the enemies that you fight. You can also befriend them. So instead of throwing, like, charms or spells at them, you can throw, like, animal balloons or hugs. (laughs) And then you can turn them into your allies instead of defeating them. And then they can – they'll pop up later – in other battles where you can like summon them to help fight alongside you. I'm totally all about this. This is like a fun, like Candyland RPG. Yeah, no, <laughs> yes. that's, a, that's exactly what it is. And they have a playable demo online, I believe. So um, if you go to, I think it's volcanobean.itch.io <coughs> slash battle cakes, they have got a little unity demo where you can support the game and kind of see it in action. So the public demo is currently in pre pre alpha status is what they've put. And they recently made an update uh, to the demo, which includes new town sprites and an updated inventory system and a shop and updated keyboard controls. So we got the opportunity to talk to this dev team at um, Expo in Tulsa. And the first thing I said to him, have you been seeing the stories of all of these indie developers who are getting wildly successful on Switch by putting their indie game on Switch instead of just on Steam or on console? And he was like, yeah, no, we, we're aware. And I was like, is this game coming to Switch? Because this would be so perfect. Oh, it yeah. really would. For the Nintendo Switch. And they were like, well, we're working on it. But I think he said that the publisher that they just signed up with isn't current, currently publishing to Switch. And I was like, you got to fix that, dude. Yeah. I really like shook my finger at him and was like, don't mess this up. You could be like an amazing title on Switch. And lots of people would love to play this there because it seems so perfect for that on the go kind of snack size gameplay, <laughs> as it were. But this is a really cool game. If you just um, search Battle Cakes, all one word on Google, if you guys want to try out the demo, it's probably easier than trying to remember the... um. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sure. Oh, sorry. My computer is playing. The game finally just loaded. Oh, I was like, <laughs> what is I was that? like, what's that noise? The the theme song. Um, it, but it's um, really it cute, and they have me... a little bit of merch and stuff like that. So if you want to support them, you can. Um, Steimer, did you play the other yeah. one with me? Yeah, the zombie one where we were like knocking balls and corners or something. Yes, we were basically <laughs> playing rugby, but zombies. Was no, it, they weren't zombies. They were. Ball? What's the name of that game? Oh my gosh. Uh, goblins. They were goblins, right? Yeah. I don't remember what the name of that game was. It was just a few weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. How am I not remembering the name? I'm going to look it up right now. What's the premise of that? You want to explain the premise of the game? So it was, I believe it was 3v3. um, Yes. And you are goblins. And you were basically, it's sort of like, they said like rugby. Granted, I've never played rugby in my life. (laughs) But I'll trust them that they know what they're talking about. Uh, you try and basically get the ball to like the other end of the court, which is fairly small. However, you can, you have a bat or some sort of a weapon. You can be killed pretty quickly. Uh, and then, and the ball doesn't just cross the line. It has to stay there for, I think two or three seconds in order for it to count. It has to stay on the ground. No one touching it. Um, 
which is the harder part because like you can go in and knock it back out if you are fast enough. Uh, mm. When you die, you become a weird ghost form, which means the other team can't see where you are. You can move super fast uh, and you can kind of just spawn like surprise and whack someone if you, which I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did a couple times. It was fun. Yeah, it was really it was really interesting because it took me a little while to get that. I didn't find it yet. It took a little while for me to get uh, the hang of the mechanics. But the the death in the ghost form was really an opportunity to um, to do surprise plays. But it was the concept was just super simple, but also like really easy to pick up. And it was fun to just play over and over again in like this kind of three v three setting. And, like, because the rules are so basic, you didn't really, like, it, it's not like you had to do, like, a lot of explanation. There, We, we were play, we played around with some kids that were probably, like, as young as, like, eight or nine years old. And we beat them. <laughs> I was, it was we, funny. Well, as, I was, as I was playing, I was like, should we go easy on them? Nah. <laughs> nah. No. I mean, th- their dad was playing with them. They could have, you know, gone on a lot if they really wanted to. What's Just the- saying. What's the downside to dying? Is it that you can't touch the ball or anything? Yeah, you can't touch anything in ghost form. Okay. So, it's like, because it sounds pretty awesome, but there has to be a downside. But you bas- yeah, exactly. You basically just have to teleport to where you are. Um, or so it's to like where the defensive ball is, mode or whatever. Spout in. Although, and you can like hmm. throw your weapon, but if you throw your weapon, it's gone. And like you have to pick up somebody else's weapon. Um, mm. And the only thing that I found difficult with it was figuring out which one I was. I feel like the characters kind of all look the same. Uh-huh. So it was sometimes you're like, oh, crap. Nope, that I'm in the corner. You know, like one of those <laughs> moments. Oh, <laughs> I. it's like when you're in Mario Kart, and you're like, no, that's not my character. I am. Yeah, I've like, been I'm doing so circles. well. Look at me doing so well. Yeah. Oh, no, that was not me. That's what's so funny. Else? This is killing me that I can't find the name of this game. It's something ball. Goblin ball. ball. It's not called Goblin I mean, Ball. Don't look that up. I, I feel I feel like that's that's what it is. I don't think but it's so. not. It's like googly ball or something Google, like that. Googly ball. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel would love so to bad for these ball. devs. I should I sh- I we talked about it in our panel. We did. But that was a long time ago at this point. It was. So much has happened since then. What's a girl to do? Not remember the name of this game. Oh, my gosh. Please don't take my games reporter card away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what could we... XBO... Are you looking at, like, XBO games? Like, the ones that were on the show floor? Yes, of course I am. Well, I don't know. I don't see a a list of that anywhere. Oh, you don't see, like... There's no map? No. I don't know. I don't know that sounds like a failing on their part. No, doesn't it? Well, Steimer, there's no need to throw salt on this situation. <laughs> I know that that's your mo, but um, we did have a good, fun time in in Tulsa. We um, we we randomly ended up in a luchador wrestling bar. Oh yeah, that place is cool. <laughs> Which happened, and then we went to this cool uh, Max Retro Pub place where they had drinks with Pop Rocks in them. Oh, that's right! Also, you had to drink teach everybody from at Zima. The, the drink Norris. from 
The oh, chick yeah, that with was the hot gross. sauce in it that made me breathe fire for oh. like an hour and a half. Grave Ball! I found it! Yay! Ha! It's called Grave Ball. It was close. Goblins, graves. They're similar, right? Jeez. No? Um... So let me find the the dev of this. So this was the yeah that was the game. So it is available on Steam. It looks like. Ooh. Let's see, Great Ball multiplayer game where teams of goblins play a game of graveyard rugby while smashing each other with clubs. Death is not the end. Respawn as a ghost to move swiftly into position and summon a new goblin from the earth. Oh, it's coming December twenty seventeen. So it must have been cool. in green light. Um, so this is um yeah that's the game. I'm sorry, you guys. Thank you for your patience. Uh, going Yumbo it. Games is the name of the dev. Hmm. It looks fun, but it was fun. We had a good time. Um, okay, uh, ladies, is there any more games that you would like to discuss urgently in our hands-on section? Have either of you guys played Observer? No, no, no. Okay, I started it, it earlier this week. It's like a c- cyberpunk detectivey game. Um, I started it last night, super late, and then I had to turn it off because it got too scary. <laughs> and I was by myself and okay. I couldn't do it anymore. But it's super interesting. I feel like it might be a good fit for anybody that saw Blade Runner 2049 and it, like is kind of hankering for something kind of in that genre mm, to play. Interesting. Um, but yeah, you're a detective and you are trying to figure out this case. So you're kind of like going door to door in this like huge apartment building and Oh, it's from Bloober Team, the people who made Layers of Fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I l- really liked what I played of it so far. Um, there's like this dream hacking mechanic, which was really interesting, which is the part that got me really jumpy. Um, so maybe you don't play it by yourself at night if you're not you into that. You don't want to maybe turn the lights off and play? Oh. Oh. oh, that might be too much. I had every light in my apartment on and I was still like jumping and I was like, I have to turn this off. But I was trying to get to the next checkpoint so I could save and close out and not like waste the last 15 minutes that I had played. It was very stressful. But this was, I think it's supposed to be like a seven to 10 hour game. So I was looking for something like a little bit shorter that I could like knock out in the next couple nights. Um yeah, I just didn't know if either of you guys had played this. To no, know I generally only scary. play horror games when Brittany forces me to. <laughs> Same. <laughs> mm, maybe I'll pick her brain and see if she's yeah. she, This would be right up her alley. Get some whiskey. Yeah, okay. she likes Layers of Brittany. Fear, so. She does. She probably like. She this. does need, she does require whiskey to play. So stock up on the whiskey and then we'll get a, we'll get a stream or something going. Perfect. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up this hands-on segment then. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Joey a little bit about what she does over at Kind of Funny. And then we have a question from Reader Mail to get to. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this short break.
everybody, for the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. So as you have been listening to the whole show, we are joined by a special guest, Joey Noel. Oh. And we were discussing on the break about when we first met. And while we can't quite put a date on it, we think it might have been PSX. We were talking about how cool it is to kind of make internet friends with someone. So we had been tweeting to each other for a long time before we ever actually met each other in person. And there's this kind of phenomenon now with um, internet connectivity where you kind of make friends online. I guess it's not really a phenomenon since it's kind of been around since the old text chatting days (laughs) back in like the early 2000s. But I feel like there's even members of my clan like in, in Destiny and in Paragon that I've never met in person that I feel like are friends and I would love to like hang out with and like have a drink with and like shoot the shit with. But like that's originally kind of like how we met. It's been a while, but I'm so glad you're here in the Bay now. I know. It's a nice change of pace. Orange County's great and I loved it, but I just feel like this is like where I grew up. So it's kind of nice to be back, but also to be experiencing it. it it's way more fun as an adult. Yeah, <laughs> to definitely. Be up here. But um, I'm mad at you for yeah. leaving because you were I know. near me and we would hang we, out like, and go to brunch. places. And then you just left. <laughs> I was just talking about the butcher's daughter. Yep. Is that what the yeah, place? butcher's daughter. It's so good, which is like vegan and not normally my thing, but it was really good. It's vegetarian, but yeah. yeah. Vegetarian. But yeah. So they're tricking you by saying they're the butcher's daughter. I know. I think the concept is that the person actually was like a butcher's butcher's daughter daughter and and like, I can't anymore. Stop hurting the animals. Exactly. But luckily you come up here fairly often, though your schedule is usually like crazy when you are here. (laughs) We talk about that every time when Britt and Steimer are in town about how we wish we could build in more time to just like hang out and like go out and see people in the city and do things. And it's just tough because you have to balance between us getting as much work done as possible. And then obviously letting the girls go home so that they can chill and not like eat into their weekend. But, um, we're excited that when they're coming into the town next, it'll be for an extra day, I believe. Ooh. Yeah. I'll probably just yeah. stay the whole weekend. Cause at that point, like, why not? <laughs> just just invite yourself to move in, Steiner. I mean, I feel like I already have. <laughs> She's already leaving a toothbrush here, ladies and gentlemen. I love I it. Do have a toothbrush. Things are serious. <laughs> um, so we obviously worked together at, at Kind of Funny, and you came on board full-time with them recently, hence the move back to the Bay. But I think a lot of people don't generally understand like what your role is. And you and I were even talking about how even though you're technically called like the community manager, you do so much more than that. And I think a lot of people don't even understand maybe what the role of community manager actually means. Can you kind of run us through like what your day looks like when you're at the office? Yeah. Every day is a little bit different. <laughs> um, so I always kind of walk in like expecting like something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. Um, but as community manager, I pretty much just make sure that I have eyes on all of our different platforms that we have people congregating in. So our Facebook group, subreddit, we have forums, we have a Discord channel, Twitter, I think counts as one because I feel like we have so much activity there too. Yeah, and the YouTube comments, of course, Um, where I like to to lurk. The YouTube comments. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so keeping an eye on everything, if there's problems that happen, general community concerns, trends, kind of stuff like that, making sure that they're either addressed or it's like, if we see like repeated things coming up, that that's something that we talk about as a company 
that's something, if it's a small population of people that just have an issue with something, or if it's like, hey, we could fix that, or we could implement that and try and figure out a way to make sure that the most amount of people are happy um, and like are active members of our community. I certainly understand why that's a full-time job. And Steimer, you used to do some community stuff too. I did indeed. But Steimer was the one that got me into all of the community stuff. Fun fact. Yeah. When you uh, were like Twitch streaming Shit, and stuff. You guys froze. Oh, no. Oh, wait. No, you're back. <laughs> we're back? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't know that community management was like, or community manager was a thing. I was like, oh, this is fun. And then I knew that that's the role that Steimer had filled. So um, when you start Twitch streaming, you're like, hey, if you want to try this out, you can try modding for me and see if you like it. And that was like really my first step into like, oh, what does this look like on like an act- like a more practical level and stuff like that? So I do give you a lot of credit for giving I me did a what I could taste to help you and would tell you about my pros and cons sort of of the job and like here's what to expect and all that kind of stuff yeah which was super helpful because i didn't like not even knowing that that was an actual job that could be filled it's like oh yeah tell me all of your secrets (laughs) how to make this a little bit easier so like what's one of your pro tips steimer for people who are maybe interested in being a mod (laughs) or looking to to help people run their communities well the mod thing was more just um to sort of see what lurks in the internet because you're going to see a lot of it when you're a community manager. And it's mostly just to be like, is this something that I would be willing to look at for like 40 plus hours a week? Um, right. So that's more of what, what that, I wasn't just like, I need a free mod work. Come on, Joey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> head on down. <laughs> um, but you do, I think even at our old job, like, there would be psychology trainings and stuff to because a lot of the stuff you dealt with was just not necessarily pleasant. Uh, that being said, there's obviously like you guys are kind of funny have a great supportive community, so like it's not as much of an issue there. But for larger companies that I worked at, PlayStation was one of them. Uh, there would just be some days when you really were bummed out about what was going on, and you you don't really necessarily have a lot of power. Uh, in a larger corporation to make many changes you can make all the powerpoint decks you want and (laughs) float them up the chain but like at the end of the day that's not your call uh so i guess my pro tip would be if you are one of those community managers out there feeling unappreciated underappreciated or just unappreciated um do something nice for yourself like every day like just get outside try and remind yourself that it's just the internet and there's real life and like real joy out there to be found Yeah, I think we sometimes get sucked into these wormholes of negativity because it breeds so quickly in online spaces, which is really disappointing. And one of the things that we get from a lot of people in our community is how excited they are that our spaces are so positive and so, um, you know, driven in a way where the conversations feel productive. And even though people may disagree, it's not people slinging mud at each other. It's more like, Hey, like, have you thought about this instead? And I really love that about the what's good community and our Patreon page in particular, the people who make posts there and who support us there are awesome people. And we love chatting with them. And if you guys have ever been 
were ever interested in like meeting some of those people, of course, like head on over to patreon.com slash what's good games and get to know some of them. And our the people who jump into our Twitch chats every week also are really fun. And we surprisingly have positive YouTube comments pretty <laughs> much across the board, which is like an anomaly. Right. Yeah. Um, Gold star we, for that. We still get people that will come and like dislike the video just for the sake of disliking it. But, you know, it's it's tough to to manage, especially since, you know, in your current job and your role, that community is like always growing and always getting bigger. And so you're having to manage these new voices coming in. Do you guys find yourself having to like ban people regularly or is that just something that happens sporadically? It's pretty rare. We don't. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like our community is really good at being self-policing of like, if someone's being a jerk, you're going to get called out of like, hey, we don't do that here. Like, this is not the place to like say stuff like that. Um, and most people, they're not super happy with that. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, it, it shuts it down pretty quickly. We do have to ban people every once in a while. But like, there's a process and people know of like, hey, you can't do that. You get another shot. And if you blow it, then that. Yeah, it was it took me a really long time to learn to be comfortable deleting comments and banning people, because in the early days of my career, it was all about volume and traffic and how many clicks and views you could get. So it was like everybody come. You don't turn every anybody away. And it doesn't matter what they say, like all press is good press kind of a thing. And. It took me a long time to really get comfortable saying, you know what? I don't need that toxicity in my community. I don't need that toxicity in my life. If this person is really saying something terrible or mean or suggestive that makes me uncomfortable, I'm just going to delete it. And I'll give them maybe a warning depending on the severity of their comments. If it's really bad, I won't even give them a warning. I'll just ban them right away. Be like, yeah, like exactly. if you have it in your power to say that to me now, like I don't think that there's any coming back for you. Exactly. Yeah. But I do find that if people are borderline um, being disrespectful, if you engage with them 99 out of a hundred times, they immediately apologize and try to clarify what they said. And I think it's a lesson that if you're listening or watching out there and you've, you've been that person that said something really volatile, or perhaps you're trying to do, you know, poke the bear or be a troll or whatever. And something to remember that you're talking to a person on the other end of it. Like, especially for a channel like ours where, you know, we're pretty small, like Brit, Steimer, Alexa and I, like we read everything you guys post. Uh, and so it's it's tough when you get these people who say things in forums or in emails that don't realize like, hey, we're not like a faceless like bot that you're talking to. We're like, we're real people. So always like keep that in mind when you're posting in online spaces. Yeah, yeah but to be I like agree. to piggyback off that, I talked about this actually at the XBO panel that Brit and I were on is something to keep in mind for the person for us, for the people receiving the comments to make you not hate life as much is like people are doing on the internet what they used to do at home in their living rooms, which is shouting at the television. I shout at HGTV all of the time. Like, I <laughs> Damn those, those house people. hunters. Yes, exactly. And you're like, you're like, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you would pick that house. Like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? That people do that still, but they just type it out and they don't think that it's a different, they don't realize, I think the connection or the impact. Some people do, obviously some people are just trying to be trolls, but 
to those people that you were talking about, Andrea, where you're like, hey, that's not the nicest thing for you to say. And they're like, oh, my God, I didn't think you would actually see this, which is which is a normal exactly. thing. I think for somebody who's backing down, they're like, I didn't think you'd see it. And you're like, well, what? It, you wrote it. Basically, you came up to my house and like shouted outside of it. So I'm not sure how you thought that I wouldn't know about this. But yeah. It's an interesting analogy that you bring up about shutting at the TV because I have some friends who work in broadcast and who work in other fields besides video games. And we talk about how they never have this interaction with their audience at all. So they're like, people could be saying that I'm like a fat whore with bad hair and I would never know. Right. And exactly. I'm like, Part of that's it. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that. I, I kind of feel like that's lucky that they yeah. don't have to like have that A little interaction bit of that. Yeah. But yeah. then you don't have like the like the 99 percent of comments that are awesome and super supportive. Right. And that's what I love about it is is, is this idea. Of, and I've gotten way more into community management working with what's good than I ever have in any of my previous positions or outlets that I've worked with because it's so personal for me uh, being part of this team and having people support us and being fans of the show that I love being able to interface with people when I can. So if you're listening or watching, know that like if you leave a post anywhere, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Patreon, or if you write an email in at contact at what's good games.com, or if you leave a comment on our website, like somebody is going to read it. It might take us a few days to get to it, but we read everything that comes in. Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, Joey, it was cool talking with you about your job. Thanks. But I have a question for you okay. and for you, Steimer. And for you, Andrea. Yes, I will answer <laughs> it too. So, of course, we don't get to do reader mail every week. And sometimes we do multiple questions. Sometimes we just do one. Uh, but since we have a little bit of time, I wanted to talk about a question from Sander. And that question is, what games do you think have amazing replayability? And what elements of a game makes it replayable? For example, Cuphead's boss fights are super fun to play over and over until you beat them. But I don't see myself really revisiting those bosses again. Assassin's Creed is an incredible game. But as soon as the story ends, the in-game world feels very dead. Hitman's missions, on the other hand, have had me revisiting the same mission over and over again because there's so many different aspects to each level. Thanks for the awesome show and keep and thanks for the awesome show and keeping my community lively. Well, thank you for writing in as you guys can at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. That's our email address. Um, I thought this was an interesting question, especially when we're in an era of like an overwhelming amount of games to play, whether they're AAA or single A, indie, major publisher, whether they're mobile. Or what have you. Like, there's just a ton. Thousands. Thousands of games to play. Um, so, Steimer, what do you think about this question? What makes a game replayable for you? It depends on the game. I remember when we answered a similar sort of question for our Facebook. And I went back and watched it. And I thought you had the best answer, Andrea. And I was like, oh, my God. How did I not think of this? And Which is Tetris. <laughs> like, the oh. ultimate replayable game, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, How, I just completely forgot about it existing. <laughs> I don't know. The number one selling game of all time. I felt Tetris. like a, felt like a so dummy. Um, <laughs> but because for me, my experience, like I actually, I mean, I haven't touched Tetris in years. I heard I hear Puyo Puyo Tetris on Switch is really good, though. Um, mm -hmm. So I might get that. Uh, but for me, a replayable game is something that has a social element to it. 
So even though I bitch and moan about Destiny all the time, it's replayable when I am playing with you, Andrea, or like with a group of friends. That to me has that um, gameplay loop that I'll go back to, but only if there's other people keeping me entertained, like on the headset. Similar thing with an MMO. Like there's always that little bit of a treadmill there that you can keep going on. But if you lose the social element, I think it's done. Like I don't want to play that anymore. Um, for his other examples, I thought, yeah, Cuphead's like, I don't see Cuphead as a replayable game. I mean, it's replayable, obviously, yeah, until you beat it, but that's because you're learning by death. Our favorite way <laughs> yeah. to learn how to play. Yeah, I think I think the idea of replayability really stems from really rock-solid mechanics with a high level of polish, because if the mechanics are broken in any way or if they're not really fun from the get-go, then you're not going to want to continue to do those actions over and over again. And I think that's what obviously Bungie has done really excellently with Destiny is even though in the original Destiny there was a lack of story content and the progression, you kind of hit a wall after a certain point and there wasn't a lot to do instead of replaying the same strikes and story missions and crucible maps like ad nauseum. What they did and the reason why people played so many hours of that game is the, the shooting mechanics, and I talk about this all the time, are rock solid they feel great they never break they always like are satisfying and that that i feeling of like popping heads of aliens and picking up engrams and really having that really satisfying interaction is something that makes it pretty eternally replayable um i mean i i got i almost maxed out all three of my characters in original destiny because of that, even though there was plenty of other things that I should have been playing. Um, what about you, Joy? What's like the one game you've sunk the most amount of hours into? I mean, we're just going to bring up Stardew Valley again. Cause that's <laughs> Is that the sure. game that you've played the most of your yeah. entire life? Like there was no like MMOs or anything like that for you? No, I'm like on 250 hours, I think, into Stardew in like, okay. the last year. So like that's that's impressive, but in the space of replayability, yeah. Steimer, how many hours do you have into Guild Wars? Um, eleven hundred. Yeah, eleven. I know I'm behind hours. on this. I could have <laughs> learned a new language. I could have fucking done so many things with that time. I know, right? I could have learned a new language. I could have learned how to play piano. <laughs> yep. I will never get that time back, but it was fun. <laughs> but if it's worth it, then I think it's totally like it's worth it to the individual person. Yeah. I agree with Steimer about the social aspect of like, yeah, I like when we like, I never pick up Friday the 13th, for instance, unless there's like a crew of people that I want to play with that I'm interested in. I'm like, and I like the game fine, but it's like, I don't necessarily like it enough to play it with random people, especially for something that's like decently communication. I would also argue dependent. the mechanics of that game are not the most polished. <laughs> this is also true, but I think the social part of it makes it fun enough that I'm willing to overlook that. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then the other thing that I always think of, of like uh, narrative, like storylines that have different endings, I'll always immediately go back and figure out what the other options are. Did but you do play you Mass do that? Effect? I have not. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to no, say, do you go and like look on the internet about what the other options would be? Because that's what I do. I don't replay the game. I'm always just like, oh, oh. let's see what the options were. I you never used to be able to do that. Yeah, know, exactly. I usually go through and I'll do like my initial playthrough is like, okay, I'm going to make all the choices and then I'll go back and make all the opposite choices just to see what the difference is. 
And I, if you, you clearly said you've never played Mass Effect. But it's also, there's no collection. If it was on what? playable on PS4 but it's or Xbox it's backwards one. compatible on Xbox One, yeah. I believe. Ooh, maybe I'll have to dust off my Xbox One. This you weekend. should. Also, I have all of the discs here if Ooh. you would like to borrow them. But you would have to have a 360 to play the first one. Um, don't. I think you can. Um, you might be able to. Can you get them on You Steam? can also buy them. Yes, you can get them on Steam. Maybe I'll just play it that way. So... If talk about replayable, I played Mass Effect two five times, um, and the reason I played it five times is because the options for picking different outcomes was I don't want to say infinite because that's that's a gross overstatement, but it was broad enough that it kept me interested, even though I did only switch up my love interest once. So the first two times I played Mass Effect two, I romanced Jacob. And then I went back and played the original Mass Effect, where, of course, romanced Liara. And then I went back and played Mass Effect 2 three times and romanced Liara all three times. And the reason I wanted to (laughs) play it so many times is because I wanted to play it as the different classes and experience the different styles of combat. And, of course, I needed to get a perfect on that final mission (laughs) hell or high water i was not losing a goddamn teammate no one was dying (laughs) in the final mission yeah so in order to successfully pull that off i had to play it quite a few times to get the conversation pieces right for mass effect it's interesting for me because i played mass effect one i think eight times and then i played i like progressively played less and less so then i but then i played mass effect two twice and then I played Mass Effect 3 once. <laughs> I also only played Mass Effect 3 once. Because once you sad. hit the ending, you're like, nothing nothing matters. It's, dev- <laughs> it's devastating. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> it's all done. Goodbye, uh, Shepard, forever. Just cry. I think um, I just cried at the end of it. <laughs> so goodbye, old friend. Um, Another genre that's super popular in replayability is MOBAs. And mm. this is a particularly interesting one because people put thousands of hours into MOBAs when you're really playing the same gameplay loop, like the identical gameplay loop on a very small amount of maps. And for me, with Paragon, where I dumped almost 500 hours into that game, um, that was a single map. And then with one patch update, it went from Legacy to Monolith. And so the map was a little bit different. Um, and now they, in V42, I've kind of stepped away to play some other stuff and I'm going to get back in. But that was like, the gameplay was 5v5. The objectives were always the same, but I just kept playing it over and over and over again because the way that they balance the progression with the several different types of heroes you can play with made it feel fresh. And because it's multiplayer and you're generally playing with different people every time, unless you're like part of a pro team and you only scrim with your teammates, um, you're constantly changing the people who you're playing with. And so that inherently will make the experience unique with every single match. And of course, you know, when you're playing PVP, you're playing against other humans, which makes it more interesting as well. Have you guys ever dipped your toes into the MOBA? Uh, Steimer, I know you've played a little bit of League. Yeah, I played League for a little while. Um, And I agree with you. Yeah, it's mostly just about like the other players, what champions they're choosing, how you're going to counter them. Like there is so much, even though it's the same game, 
thing over and over again. There's so much to learn because there's so many different champions. They can have different items, which can make them do different damage. Uh, each one has like different abilities. You have to learn their ultimates when you think that they're up when like, you know, like there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, the only reason I stopped playing league was because I had the most epic match of all time. And I was just like, <laughs> there's no way I'll ever top this. So I'm not sure why I should keep Did you playing. record this match? Can we watch no! this match? And I wish that I could. I'll tell the story one day um, just because I don't want to. It's, it's, it's dumb, but it, it was it was a great moment for me as I was playing as DJ Sona, which is a support character, uh, but she's awesome. I love Lee and I love the way note. their skins are. They're awesome. They do a wonderful job with their art and their uh, skins. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's like how they make their money, right? Yeah. <laughs> True. So hopefully they are excelling in that department. <laughs> um, but you just haven't tried MOBAs just because they, they don't, they're not interesting to you at all? Or they're just too complicated to learn? Or I feel like I, because I took like such a long break from gaming, I feel like I'm playing catch up on a lot of things. And that's like very low total of like... Yeah shoot, this is a huge time sink. And instead of playing that, I could probably fill in some other gaps. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm trying to do. Okay. It's just a huge time commitment. Yeah, and that's true. I don't true. know. Yeah, know any of the super replayable games like a MOBA or hell, even like Call of Duty or any of the eSports, Overwatch, or, any of those eSports Or even things. MMOs, like WoW, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you need to invest your time into it in order like anything right i could have learned the piano i didn't i played guild wars <laughs> but it's, it's it's you have to sink that time in. and if you're more like us we don't really have that time anymore it's not i don't want a game to be replayable to me at this point in my hmm. life because i just don't have time to replay it anyway so that's not what i look for in a game I totally get that a point of view. I think in an era where gaming is incredibly expensive and um, and games as services are becoming more and more popular and you have to buy more and more each time you get a game, I understand why it's a big thing that people are talking about because if you can only afford to buy two or three games a year, you really want to be able to get as much life out of them as possible. And it's it's crazy when you think about the investment in games. If you take a game like GTA V. So that game is one of the top-selling games of all time because it's so replayable because of GTA Online. And that GTA Online doesn't cost you extra. Like, you pay $60 for a brand-new copy of GTA V, or maybe you find a used one, even though... Those games are still going for close to their full price because that game <laughs> just doesn't stop selling. Um, and you can play that game for thousands of hours or you can buy a $60 experience like Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, which is an amazing piece of art and a fantastic game so far. But are you going to be able to replay that over and over again? Well, sure, there's five difficulty settings. I guess technically you could replay it all five times and figure out you know, what the new challenges are each time you play. But after you've hit that fifth time, then you're kind of like, okay, well, what do I do now? So I get why replayability is a thing for a lot of gamers. Yeah, yeah we're definitely 100%. the minority. 
Yes. I mean, we are very privileged, obviously, because we work in the video games business. We get sent codes all of the time. So there's a lot of games that we don't have to pay for. But I gladly buy games that I don't get codes for. And I have no problem buying DLC or buying in-game purchases for games that I like and want to support. But we recognize that there's a lot of people out there listening to the show that aren't in that position. So, Sander, thank you for your question. Hopefully this was... uh, adequate answer for you um so joey if people want to find out what you're up to where can they find you on the internet on the internet i'm at joey noel pretty much everywhere that's important just say that i'm really salty that someone has joey noel on reddit so i have to be joey noel 88 which is kind of annoying isn't that the worst but no one really likes salty about somebody on instagram having yeah i can't and i can't also i found (laughs) nobody who works for instagram I'm like trying to ask all my friends in the industry. I'm like, do you know anybody at Instagram? They're like, yeah, but they don't really like help with anything. I'm like, great. Awesome. Is, <laughs> is it just like a dead account that nobody uses? Yeah. The guy has never posted. Oh, and I'm like, that's dumb. Hello. <laughs> Give me that account back. I would like that. So yeah, you understand my pain, but yeah. yeah. Twitter is normally where I'm the most active. Instagram for some shenanigans, but at Joey Noel. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and and chatting with us about video games and about being a community manager and and what that's like. Um, We, of course, have a lot of ways that you can keep up with us. Um, Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash what's good games, patreon.com slash what's good games. Don't forget we stream every Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's twitch.tv slash what's good games. And now we're also streaming on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash what's good games. Steimer's going to help me figure it out next time she comes to the studio. (laughs) Why my OBS doesn't like restream. So Um, weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. And don't forget the merch store has launched. So please check that out as well. And um, thanks for supporting the show. Um, Britt will be back from her vacation next week. And um, we're not quite sure if Alexa Alexa Ray will be back yet or not, but we'll keep you posted on that. And um, if there's any other guests that you guys would like to see on the show, of course, write to us. You can tweet to us at what's good underscore games. Or hit us up on Instagram, What's Good Games Official. I think I've said every single way that you can possibly get in touch with us. You forgot Carrier Pigeon, but that's okay. <laughs> well, dang it, Jim. I knew I was going to forget something. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.